We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast for Week 13, the Week 13 preview, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. We are really getting into the stretch run of the season here, and, and we're being treated to a nice little Thursday game between the Saints and the Cowboys to, to lead us off here, Mario. Uh, again, I'm your host, John McKechnie. And, you know, th- this is one of those weird things that, that I have a, an appreciation for because it makes a lot of sense having both these teams play on a Thursday after having played last Thursday, I just kind of like the, uh, the ability to, or expanding the the likelihood of this game, not being a complete slop fest, the way that we often see Thursday night games. However, and, and there's also no Taysom or uh, no Trevor Simeon in this one to, to muck things up even further. But uh, what's your expectation here with, with the Cowboys coming off the, the disappointing loss um, on Thanksgiving day and the saints just kind of being completely overmatched for 60 minutes against the Bills. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty strange matchup. And the the Thursday variable would normally make it tougher for passing games. So Taysom Hill stepping in in those circumstances, I guess you might be especially pessimistic for him as a passer. But I don't know. I think there's also a chance that at least for the first half or something like that, the the Saints offense kind of catches the Dallas defense by surprise. Not so much much because they don't realize that Taysom Hill – is, is going to run a lot more than Simeon. Obviously, they know that. It's just, it's it's kind of a different deal to to really see it in practice after, uh, you know, uh, seeing it on film a year and a half ago or whatever it's been, and then, like, being in the same rhythm that you would have been back then is just a little different. And, uh, yeah, maybe a couple things that weren't on tape kind of just catch them by surprise for a big play here and there, getting the Saints into scoring range. Maybe that's enough to make it a little closer than it otherwise would be, but I don't really see how the Saints win it. And, uh, it, you know, it's not just that Taysom Hill is probably a bad passer. It's, uh, of course, a worse supporting cast at the pass catching positions than the last time we saw Taysom Hill and the offensive right. line is destroyed by injury. So it, it's like... It, as a Taysom Hill critic, I am not inclined to uh, make excuses for him. And yet, if he does really badly in this setting, I don't really think you could criticize him too much for it. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. So uh, I know that Hill was kind of a, a trendy waiver wire pickup this week. You think Makes there's sense. any utility in, in him that, uh, like, would you start him? I mean, or who, like, where would you draw the line as to? If you, you have start to start him, I mean, I mean, if you have to start him, I wouldn't feel terrible about it because. I mean, Dallas does give up some big plays. They're aggressive on defense. And 
if they do start crashing the run hard enough, then a guy like Callaway, uh, especially Deontay Harris, I guess, they can slip by the secondary for a big play, and uh, it could be like a, a bad day passing overall, and Hill could still make it useful for fantasy owners just, just with one big play as a passer because the returns as a runner should be pretty reliable. And uh, thankfully, unlike the NCAA, they don't subtract your rushing yardage is your, your rushing yardage when you get sacked. So, uh, if this were a BYU game, maybe Taysom Hill would have like twenty attempts for thirty-five yards or something like that. But since it's an NFL game, he should have, uh, you know, like fourteen for seventy or something like that. Okay, so we expect maybe more. him to, to yeah get it done on the ground. Um, where, what's your level of confidence in in Mark Ingram for for this evening under the presumption that, that Alvin Kamara does not play? So. I guess if Taysom Hill does well, it should be a pretty good volume projection for Ingram. And I don't know what's a fair expectation for his actual effectiveness, but if they can give him 18 plus carries, there's a chance that he kind of just wears down the Dallas defense. And if it's good field position that they develop over the course of the game, maybe he gets into scoring range. So uh, it's the closer the game is the better for Ingram. Of course, I guess it's just uh I have trouble imagining what the offensive line will be capable of down both their starting tackles and uh, hasn't, uh, what's his name, the the Stanford guy's been out for a while. So th- there's a lot working against them here, and uh, it, I guess it just depends on whether Hill keeps it together because if he falls apart, that's probably how Dallas ends up covering because Hill probably can't really play catch-up as a passer. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. That would be That would just kind of be the death knell. Um, for the Saints, if they were to fall behind, that that's that, that's a script that that they can't afford. They got to have their defense uh, keep Dallas's offense in check. So, speaking of Dallas's offense, we, we do have a question from our guy Joe Saviano wants to know which Cowboys receiver do you like this week uh, in PPR. So, this is, I guess, under the assumption that that you know Lamb's good to go and Amari Cooper likely uh, trending back towards a return as well. Yeah. So this is a tough one. Uh, as, as far as the Cooper question, I do. Sh- I prefer Lamb either way, just because he seems like he's just crazy. Um, but it, the reason it might not even be close is that we don't really know what kind of shape Cooper is in. Like he might not be uh, like if he wasn't vaccinated, especially he might have kind of just bad lungs for a while. So uh, with Cedric Wilson out, you know, it's either like CD Lamb kind of has a pretty decent return on like 14 targets here or Dak Prescott struggles to get to 200 yards. And I guess either of those is possible, but I kind of like the first one more. And and with that wrinkle baked in there with with Dallas's pass catching core being a little bit undermanned right now. And, you know, I think you bring up a great point uh, when it comes to Cooper, you can't really bet on full effectiveness from him this evening. Where are you with Ezekiel Elliott? I feel like his usage has been down in recent weeks in a way that we really haven't seen in his entire career. This is a tough Saints run defense. How are you um, expecting him to do this evening? The past couple weeks have been pretty much the same with him each time. It's like he's able to do a little something just because he knows how to play running back and he's he's naturally good at thinking like a running back. But you can tell the wheels just aren't really going and – I don't really know what the point is of having him out there. I'm sure he wants to just, as a competitor, always wants to be out there. But you look at what he's done the past two or three weeks or whatever, it's tough for me to see why they even want him active. Like, Corey Clement can give them what they've gotten from Zeke lately. Uh, and that's clearly because Zeke is hurt. Like, it's not – that would normally never be the case. So, uh, like, Zeke 
when he's healthy, I, I say is definitely better than Pollard, first of all, and second of all, probably just one of the best running backs in the NFL. But lately, he's pretty clearly not been as effective on a per snap basis as Pollard. And I can only imagine that they keep Zeke Elliott in the first place, uh, Zeke Elliott active in the first place, because they just don't want to give Pollard 40 snaps either, which makes enough sense. He's only like 200 pounds at six foot. So I, I get it. Um, but then put Clement out there, put anybody really uh, sh- should have signed Dontrell Hilliard a month ago or something. Uh, but yeah, I think Zeke is clearly not himself. And until he is himself, I don't know what we can fairly expect of him. Yeah. So, so what, once again, another year where uh, the first round running backs, a lot of landmines in, in there for, from redraft as it pertains to where they are heading in close to the fantasy playoffs. Uh, let's get on over to, to Sunday's slate. Let's kick things off. We got Indianapolis traveling to Houston to face the Texans. This is this is going to be a recurring theme throughout the show. We have a lot of road underdogs this week. Say, or Cowboys, I'm sorry. Also, uh, uh, road favorites this week, home underdogs. So we have Indy nine points favorites uh, going up against the Texans. Texans can be scrappy, as we've seen before. Indianapolis coming off of the of their first loss in, in a little bit. And, you know, it was against the Bucs, so you, you give them something of, of a pass, even though that game was at home. They, they were really taking it to Tampa Bay in that first half there. Um, what are your expectations on this one? I feel like Indianapolis has been – fairly predictable as far as where the fantasy outputs coming from, you know, Taylor, obviously the, like the running back one in fantasy that this year, Pittman's guy you're starting every single week. Wentz is someone that I think if you picked him up mid season, uh, you, you're probably starting him unless you have a, a much better option. But other than that, I mean, it is, are you in on Jack Doyle after the week that he had a week ago going up against Houston? Uh, anything else to see here from, from this indie offense? Yeah, the, the nine ten points might be a bit much, if only because the Colts might not use their full playbook in this one. I realize that they have to win. It's a must-win game, uh, being six and six, but they probably can take care of that without acting so desperate as to, you know, pull out all the be- the best plays that they were probably using last week. You know, like the the plays that do make Jack Doyle look good, uh, and I don't think he normally does. So, I I think Doyle is fine in the sense that he's probably going to be on the field a lot for an offense that's probably going to move the ball pretty well probably get in scoring range quite a bit but he will never really like win a play and uh, I, I have trouble I have trouble projecting a guy like that because I feel like it's always circumstances that bring out the good result and uh, yeah as far as as far as you can infer that it pretty much ends with he's playing this many snaps and an offense we expect to score this many points and uh, that's pretty good and you know you hope for the best I suppose yeah, I, I I view him more as a DFS type of option that, than someone that I would probably be starting in, in a regular league. Um, we got a couple listener questions here before we uh, get to the Houston side of this one. Um, so Jay Red got a couple quarterbacks that he's bouncing around here. We got uh, Russell Wilson or Joe Burrow can also pick up Taylor Heineke. I think my my base inclination there is to go with Burrow. I can't. Uh, Russ looked a little bit better this past week against Washington, but um, I think Burrow has a nice setup that that game total over under 50 and a half. I believe they're, they're at home. The offense obviously looked awesome a week ago against Pittsburgh coming off the bye, I believe. So for me, it's Burrow uh, Heineke, probably second of that group. Uh, so I guess jumping off of that, would you drop Russ for Heineke? Um, 
I mean, you could. Russell Wilson is not useful right now. I, I guess it's just a question of can that finger get any better? And I have no idea. I, f- I feel like we haven't really seen any solid reporting on uh, just what he's dealing with and like why he's still s- just why he's bad, like why his finger won't work. Because uh, I'm, I'm generously assuming his finger is busted and that's why he looks uh, impossibly bad, like worse than Geno Smith what did, certainly. So um, it, that could change, but I don't see any reason to assume it will. Therefore, sure, go ahead, pick up Heineke. Don't think it's mandatory or anything, especially this week. I, I don't really like that match. I don't know how to figure out Heineke, to, to be fair. Like, I don't, uh, it, it's not often that I'm, I'm totally uh, in line with his results. Like, a, a, a few times I was getting my hopes up and he disappointed. And then other times when I kind of wrote him off, like, especially that Panthers game, I kind of wrote him off. He had a good game. So, uh, with that said, I am concerned about that Vegas matchup because I just hate that pass rush. And, uh, you know, g- guy like Hayward. When he has a pass rush like that, it doesn't matter that he's slow. So if, if Heineke needs to let it rip, you know, when, when McLaurin's only 10 yards downfield, it doesn't matter that Hayward can't cover him for 25, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. That, that Raiders pass rush has been automatic pretty much all year. Um, going back real quick, we got, we got lots of uh, interaction today here. Uh, our guy CB wants to know, would you go with Hunter Renfro over Zeke in your flex this week? Assuming this is PPR, man, that's a that's a tough one. The way I would phrase that is, I probably would myself, but I can't really advise anyone else to. It just it feels like one of those things I'm not supposed to say. But if it were my lineup, uh, I I actually do prefer Renfro. I think it, it, if it's PPR, right? It's PPR. Yeah, or okay. yeah. well, assume it's it PPR. Is. I mean, it's yep. it's it's a good matchup for him. It yeah, it absolutely is. So. Uh, yeah, we're we're Renfro guys after that uh, fake punt tackle that he had a couple couple uh, months ago. At this point, jeez. Um, Jared, also one more uh, here from him before we we keep breaking things down. Uh, uh, with Swift out, uh, Ronald Jones, Hines, Burkhead, Tevin Coleman, or Brandon Bolden has the Bills defense. I, th- hmm, I, think, I think I'd I probably might... go Tevin Coleman. Uh, is this PPR? Sorry, I missed that. Is the same? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, those. I think there's a case to make for a handful of those guys. I might actually lean Hines, just okay. because the same reason as you might justify Jack Doyle. I guess only. Um, I, I I might sound critical of Hines a lot, but he you do. is useful <laughs> enough. It's just the, the people who are saying like, oh, they got to get him on the field more. Like, no, they, you don't need to get him more on the no. field than the best <laughs> running back in the NFL. Shut up, shut up, shut up. But uh, he is useful within the context of. We're throwing the ball, you know. He's 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 fast. He can catch it. It's it's it works. It's fine. It, you have a use for that sometimes. And yeah, no, I, I think that is a good point when it comes to Heinz. I, I, Coleman, it's mo- mostly a, a workload thing. Um, yeah, but but I think you, you might have extracted one of his better performances that you could expect a week ago. I don't I don't know if the Eagles will be quite um, as forgiving this time around. Um, anything to add on, on the Texan side of this one before we jump on uh, over to Giants Dolphins? No, I can't figure them out at all. I don't understand them. Well, they can't figure themselves out either. Yeah, the um, weekly, the totally scrapped and like flipped upside down game plans from week to week is, I, I don't know what they're, I, I actually cannot figure out a single reason why they would be doing this stuff. So I don't understand them. They're crazy. It, it, it's goofy. Um, all right. Giants, Dolphins, Dolphins, four point favorites in this one at home. Giants. Coming off of a, a slugfest victory against a divisional opponent a week ago, they, they got the worst game that you could really 
get out of a guy like Jalen Hurts. Uh, the, you know, they, they had something to do with that, of course. Um, but now they got to go down to, to Miami. Miami playing well of late. They haven't beaten a who's who necessarily, but um, seem to be playing better. So where are you with this one? Well, um, two very weird teams, I guess. I wish I had splits on what Daniel Jones's stats are against the Blitz because I, I don't know what it is. And I I could imagine it being either way. Like I could imagine him being really, really bad at it or if it's the kind of blitzing, especially where it's kind of a bluff, you know, I don't, I don't think bluffs work against Jones cause he's, he doesn't discern, you know, the hints or the, the subtleties. Like he's just chucking it. He's just, he's just going that one speed that he does. And, um, I, I guess you would worry about a guy like him making wrong reads. And even when he makes the right read, he's never particularly accurate, but, um, I don't know. It's like if, if the, if the dolphins do a thing where they're just kind of like suicide blitzing and they leave, Kenny Galladay one-on-one with anyone in particular I could see Galladay winning that even if it's kind of like a ugly looking throw and even if Jones didn't really understand what was going on when he threw it you know if you go one-on-one with a guy like as big as Galladay with the range that he does or the speed of Slayton Ross there's a way to give up a big play if you're too aggressive and the the Dolphins do get by more on uh, just like raw blitzing aggression than they do actual pass rushing ability like they need to be that aggressive to get to the quarterback so Mm -hmm. I, I really can't see it any clearer than just total wild card scenario for Jones. And um, I guess I uh, hopefully Tony or Shepard, I don't know what the latest is on them. It but did, hopefully. didn't sound good for, for, I think I saw um, Dan Dugan, uh, former, former Ruck, Rutgers guy we remember from uh, from our college football days. Um, he was saying that Tony, I don't think, was even stretching with, with uh, the team today. So I'm going to go under the assumption that he's not going to be available once again. So that, it's, the, the song remains the same when it comes to the Giants and, and, and no Shepard, I assume. Pass right. catchers. Uh, I, It'd be I good to have Shepard because uh, the slot is a little easier to attack on that defense. It's just the middle of the field's a little easier than the boundary. So it would be great to have Shepard back. Um, but yeah, they're, they're going to blitz and... Uh, you know, hopefully Jones makes makes the right call. On the other side, I, I happen to think Gaskin's pretty good. I realize that his his good fantasy games were just fluky touchdown and and kind of like unnatural catch volumes occurring. But I think he's got a, enough ability that uh, as the home favorites here, it could be another good spot for Gaskin. Uh, I don't know what to make though of that that stupid offensive line. And maybe, maybe this is actually a bad matchup for the, for Gaskin because uh, the, the giants do have those huge guys in the front three. And uh, maybe those huge guys do better against bad offensive lines like this. Maybe they collapse the pocket. I don't really know, but uh, both of these teams are goofy and unreliable. And um, you know, I either team can, can just crater for no real reason. Are we going to get a good Saquon Barkley game at some point? Um, if they if if the Dolphins do a suicide blitz and uh, Barkley somehow slips out for like a quick uh, toss to the flats or something, uh, and he gets an eighty yard touchdown, maybe then. But as far as as far as the the play to play reliability, I don't know if Barkley was ever that guy, and I, did, I especially don't know if he's that guy in a you know just dysfunctional, stupid offense that can't do anything well. Yeah, I, I'm down on him. Uh, as well right now disappointing to to say the least Uh, let's get on over Vikings Lions Vikings seven point favorites on the road here going against their divisional rivals Uh, Lions a little bit more well rested having come off of the Thanksgiving game where they gave the Bears a a good game 
a slightly more entertaining game than I was expecting on, on Thanksgiving. But um, Vikings, they they just are addicted to playing crazy, crazy games. I think they've led by a touchdown in every game this season at one point or another. Um, I think that they're like two and two or something in, in games where they've been leading by two touchdowns. So, you know, just they are a chaotic team. They have a quarterback that will occasionally line up behind the guard for some reason. <laughs> What's going on here? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what their broader issue is that they are, they are a weird team. I mean, I guess they have a ton of drama surrounding them and, and that can't help. It's like Zimmer's kind of on the hot seat, but also they have to do this thing where they pretend that he's, you know, the big guy in charge because, uh, he, he demands that level of authority and, and respect, but they, they know he's on the hot seat and they know he hates Kirk, even though Kurt's like pretty good, but he's just so annoying and, kind of unreliable and, and that that makes Zimmer resentful but they have to work together so it just festers and of course this Everson Griffin thing is is a bummer uh, that that can't be easy on them the Dalvin Cook uh, accusations and somehow him being again like just just barely in picture with that Everson Griffin thing like it's like Dalvin Cook's got to just always be in something really disturbing apparently at least the past month or so it's been that way. So there's a lot of things distracting them and they were probably just goofy to begin with because of cousins. So uh, I don't trust them to cover exactly, but on the other hand, I don't know how the lions score a point against anybody. Uh, yeah. This, this is the matchup of, you know, for fantasy purposes, like the, the, the handcuff game, because you do have Alex Madison on one side, he's rostered everywhere. Of course, uh, Jamal Williams, someone that, that probably got picked up in most spots, given the, the DeAndre Swift injury. Um, how confident are you in starting either of these guys? And, and can you go a level further um, as far as the, the backfield depth for either of these teams? Is it Kenne Nwongwu interesting to you this week, for example? It, he's drawn a little or, bit of interest uh, for me. Godwin the runs a 4-3. Godwin Iguabuike or whatever. Um, is that guy just a gunner or is he a real running back now? I can't uh, tell how much they like him um anyway uh i think jamal williams jamal williams is going to get as much carry volume as there is to go in that offense i don't really trust that there will be much like i think he might get five carries on the first drive and then finish the game with like 12 or you know 13 carries as uh if cousins plays like he should uh then Minnesota should kind of just pull away steadily, if not right away in this game. And I do think Alex Madison will be fine. Like he's not any, he's not anywhere close to Dalvin cook, but I think Madison is pretty clearly in that category where he's good enough to be your starter. And if you're, sure. if the rest of your offense is good anyway, he's good enough to be your starter and it's not going to be a star, but you won't really care. He's, he's good enough. Okay. All right. That definitely checks out. Um, I'll be starting Jamal Williams in our pentathlon league, but that that's a, you know, that's like 12 people, but it's super flex, big rosters. So that that those are the kind of leagues where you can fire him up uh, this week. All right. Eagles, Jets, Eagles, six and a half point favorites on the road playing in the same stadium that they played in a week ago away from home, though. Um, and they're going up against the Jets team. We, we know that they are uh, hmm, hard to even really put put a good descriptor on on, on what this Jets team is right now. Um, Eagles. One of the hotter teams in the NFL for the past like five or so weeks before last week's clunker. Which one is it? I love how how just bad the league is this year. Like it's we, insane. We have, to, 
We're talking about like these are just bad teams everywhere. Nobody's good. Like the earlier games or the previous games we were talking about, it's uh, you know the Colts were really hot for a while there, six and six. Like this, <laughs> the Dolphins picking up some steam, like four and eight. Like Dolph, uh, <laughs> Eagles, they're 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 getting hot, and by that I mean five and six, uh, right before they lose to the Giants. But uh, I think the Eagles made things harder on themselves than it needed to be. I think last week by going too pass happy early in the game is like they had specifically that success when they changed the offense from what it had been in the first six weeks to whatever however long their hot streak was they had changed it from like a 35 40 pass attempt offense to a 20 25 and uh with with the usage with the diverted usage going to the ground game and specifically i guess you'd say jordan howard and kind of like the power ground game and that made all all the sense in the world to me that that's exactly what i thought they should have done is like that's how you make jalen hurts limitations as a passer not matter and uh, just you bring out the best of, of everybody in the offense that way. And uh, I don't know if Miles Sanders got nicked up in that game. I, I couldn't find uh, what was going on with that. But uh, they they got Boston Scott a bunch of carries. And uh, not until late in the game, though. It's like it started out with something like 10, 15 pass attempts for Hertz to uh, something like eight running back carries. I'm, I'm just guessing I'm, that's not the right number. But that was a difference from the games where they were, they were doing well. And coincidentally or not they fell behind in this case doing it that way and they they kind of caught up late obviously but three interceptions on that uh sort of pass attempt volume isn't going to work you're like you're not going to win that game uh nine times out of ten so uh that that was that was at once something that i think you could have predicted would happen with them running their offense that way but it's also something that's easily fixed if they just stick to what they knew what they had a good enough sense to do the first uh, six weeks before that, before last week, just start doing that again. And uh, the Jets will make that easy. I don't know if the – truthfully, I don't know if the the Eagles offense could fail here if they tried. The Jets defense is the worst in the league. So I think Jalen Hurts should bounce back here, uh, at the very least in the efficiency sense. Maybe he doesn't get to 30-plus pass attempts and maybe doesn't get to 12-plus carries, but I think it'll be kind of a walk in the park for him and that whole offense. Yeah, I, I'm more so expecting the, the bounce back performance this week for, from them. Um, on the on the Jets side, is there anything that they can exploit offensively against this Philly D? I don't know how much of their struggles are just to do with Zach Wilson or how much it might have to do with Corey Davis not being on the field. Davis being out definitely hurt them. Right. It would be nice to have Davis here to lock up Darius Slay because otherwise Slay can fall. Well, geez. I mean, they might put Slay on Elijah Moore instead of Davis, but I guess we'll see. Um, it would be good to have more free in any case. It would be good to have more against Steven Nelson or Avante Maddox. That would be better. So there, there's a way they can get a couple decent matchups there. But again, like it's, it's a little disheartening that as, as soon as Zach Wilson came back, they started looking like the Jets of the first four weeks again. It's like the, yeah. the fun shootout offense was just gone. So uh I don't know if they brought that upon themselves with their game plan somehow, but if it has to do with Wilson more so, then I don't see why they would improve anytime soon. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I'm not ready to, to fully jump ship on, on Wilson. You know, I wasn't particularly big on him during draft well, season, but but for for this year, I mean, it's just yeah. it's not going to get better. Yeah, and I I still don't like him as a prospect. I didn't like that pick, but it's not because of his numbers this year. Like they're concerning, but. Sometimes rookie years just go this way for no real reason. Sometimes it doesn't mean anything. 
Exactly, exactly. Uh, before we get on to the next game, a quick word from our sponsors over at Blue Wire. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. All right, moving on. We've got... Cards, Bears, Cardinals, seven and a half point favorites going into Chicago. Cold weather game for a dome team. How do you see this one playing out? David Montgomery, I guess, could make it interesting. Him and Khalil Herbert, like in cold weather. If your run defense isn't sharp, those guys can keep the chains moving on you in the at the very least. But generally, I I do like the Arizona side of this, even at the seven and a half. I realize that's a lot of points for a road team that uh, 
has had a, a pretty bad offense due to injury for about a month now. But the Arizona defense, I think, is spectacular. And I think it could be the kind that's really tough on a guy, a rookie quarterback like Justin Fields. So uh, I don't even mean to be disrespectful toward the Bears. It's more like a respect for the Arizona defense. But I, I think the Arizona defense is why they've been as good as they have been this year. Um, because Kyler Murray's been hurt as long as he has. It's it's the defense that's more so responsible for their position, and I, I think this could be you know just fresh meat for that defense, basically. Right, exactly. I mean, both these teams fairly well rested. You know, Fields comes back uh, that that could help things or get you know give a, a little bit more of an exotic look um, for this Bears offense compared to you know if Andy Dalton's back there. But um, do do we think that? Yeah, the car. Oh, sorry, I forgot about the whole Fields ribs injury. Uh, it's bad for Dalton too if he's in there. He, he oh, yeah. can, he'll get swallowed up. Uh, yeah, it, the the thing that's so tough about this Arizona defense is they've got a lot of pass rush ammo just in general, but then they also don't give you really easy reads before the snap. It's like anybody can do anything, and you don't really find out for sure until after the snap. And unless you guess right before the snap where everyone's going you might have some, you know, just thought into your mind like, hey, what's that? And, you know, throws off your route, your steps just enough. Uh, and Chandler Jones could just like rip your head off in under two seconds, even if it gets, you know, beyond that point. Very true. Very true. Chandler Jones, scary dude coming off the edge. Uh, let's get on over. We got Chargers, Bengals. I think that this game is going to be one of the more popular ones for, for DFS this week. We got a couple of high total games to get to here in this next little bit. Um, Bengals at home, they they obviously looked great against the Steelers. I think some of that had to do – like the Bengals' offense was, was amazing. I don't know if their defense is going to be able to to hold the Chargers in check, but the Chargers have been very Jekyll and Hyde um, throughout the course of this season. Obviously get the big win over Pittsburgh themselves a couple weeks ago and then uh, don't perform as well against Denver a week ago. So what are your expectations on this game? So – I really like Justin Herbert, but I do think the Chargers offense is reaching a sort of equilibrium that that's generally not favorable toward him. And when they have good weeks and it's basically just because of him outplaying the circumstances and just kind of you know going psycho and carrying the whole team himself. And you can't really expect him or any store, any star quarterback really to be that way all the time. And especially when you're dealing with an offense like this one, where he doesn't have any speed to work with. And I, I kind of, um, I wish it didn't go this way, but I really do think this is specifically what I was worried about in the preseason, especially after they got rid of Tyron Johnson, where you're basically, you're not playing 10 on 11 necessarily by having Josh Palmer or Jalen Guyton at that one receiver spot. Let's just say it's 11 on 11, even though I, I do think it's sooner 10 on 11. You're playing at, at, with an extra defender, basically, when you give the defense that sort of artificial back of the end zone because you can't run farther than that before the pass rush gets to the quarterback, like you can't you can't get farther than 20 yards reliably with this personnel. So you might as well be running a red zone drill every single snap, no matter where you are on the field. And that sideline is an extra defender that the defenses use that as leverage to 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 account for where they need to go to to cut off whichever routes they need to. And uh, that's that's something they'll deal with every single play until they get better wide receiver personnel and specifically fast wide receiver personnel. So that's not going to change. The Cincinnati pass rush can be pretty vicious. 
So I think some of the so the the Cincinnati defense rocked the Steelers in both games. And I think the Chargers have a similar flaw as the Steelers. And it's not that the the quarterback sucks, but the way the quarterback fails is the same because Roethlisberger can't push downfield. Uh, the, the the field just shrinks on them. The things that used to work, there's no room for it anymore. It, it all eventually just kind of falls apart, especially because that pass rush gets there. And uh, if that happens here, and I think it will, if only because the receivers can't push far enough downfield to to beat the pass rush, uh, I I think it kind of I, I would pick the, the the Bengals to to cover this kind of easily. I think the Bengals can win by a touchdown or more. Actually, I think so too. And and you know I, I think what what's been great about the Bengals throughout the a lot of the course of the season has been obviously the passing game, Joe Burrow coming back strong off of the injury, Jamar chase uh, kind of rope a doping uh, a lot of us in the, uh, in the preseason and coming out and obviously establishing himself as, as a rookie uh, wide receiver one, but in recent weeks, and this makes me uh, nervous for, for my best ball results, very light on Joe Mixon shares. And that guy is crushing it right now. Do you expect that to continue on Sunday? Yeah, I think, um, that it'll be interesting to see if the Chargers keep approaching things the same as they have all year because they basically kind of surrendered the run. They're almost doing like the Mike Pettin thing, but because uh, because Brandon Staley is kind of like the hot recent coaching prospect and people generally think of him as a smart guy instead of a stupid oaf like Mike Pettin, they, they were kind of looking at it favorably coming into this year. Like the analytics guys were kind of like, this is this guy's really onto something. He knows that you don't need to defend the run as much as you need to defend the pass. This is going to work out great. And it turns out it actually kind of sucks when you don't stop the run and, and <laughs> it hurts the whole defense. It eventually will make your pass defense unravel too, because you can't just let them keep moving the ball on you. And yet if you don't play the Bengals that way, you do risk Jamar Chase getting back. Not just him. T. Higgins, too, can can go deep on you. So I don't know where it's going. Or I don't know that it's going to happen, of course. But I think that the Bengals offense will score points. And maybe it's all three of those guys. But I think it's at the very least Mixon or sorry, Mixon will either have a huge game or I think both Higgins and Chase could. Uh, I think Tyler Boyd might get the toughest match up there against Harris. But uh, yeah, I think I think Higgins still has positive regression to cash in on and i think chase has had a cold enough stretch here that he's he's ready to kind of like reinforce his baseline and and come through with like you know both of them get 100 yards maybe yeah i i totally passing game stacked against the the raiders with the Bengals a couple weeks ago and then it was mixon day i did not get the memo um so i don't know might go back to the well might go mixon you would think think it's mixon day here unless the chargers say okay we got to change something we're getting wrecked on on the run defense every play we got to do something different here but if they don't mixon yeah gets the easy 120 or so i would guess i think so as well before we get on over to bucks falcons Got a message from our friends over at WinBet. There's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire. It's making good decisions, and even more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sports book app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. 
Gwinnett is currently available in six states. That's Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At Wimbet, the possibilities are limitless. Wimbet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download Wimbet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Wimbet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. We also got a message from our friends over at Yahoo, specifically Yahoo DFS. The NFL season is heating up. And Yahoo is going big on daily fantasy football this season. There will be a ton of big prize contests throughout the year on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate Yahoo going big on DFS as well as Yahoo Daily Fantasy becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim a free $10 in site credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 in site credit offered to join any paid contest, including Yahoo's biggest contest, the weekly $1 million DFS NFL Baller Contest. The, the weekly $1 million contest features $1 million in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and tons of overlay in prizes. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim that free $10 offer and to get started. Again, that's sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome. All right, Bucks, Falcons. We got a we got a high over under here. I think it's it might be too high. I, I don't trust this Falcons offense to 51 hold up there to nothing. The, yeah. <laughs> Is that possible? Can you do that? I think so. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be uh, eight touchdowns with a failed two pointer every time, and <laughs> then uh, they really must have an axe grind with Arthur field goal, Smith or field something. Goal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one, I, I like the Bucks it, it pretty much every angle that, that you can get to, but uh, I think fifty and a half is too much. I mean, um, unless it's, it is like a forty-two to, to ten type of game for fifty-one for to nothing, John. 50, <laughs> okay, fifty-one to nothing. <laughs> Uh, they'll have they'll have some really sketchy uh, like holding call like illegal contact penalties on the defense as Tom Brady throws a a fourth quarter uh, like forty five seconds left touchdown to get them to fifty one. So we're we're talking about like a 07 Patriots level of disrespect going on in, in this one. Yeah, I guess it depends on how much they feel like testing things out or whatever. Like I don't know. Uh, first of all, is Antonio Brown back finally? He should be back for this, right? It's been six weeks or something. Um, it has been, but at the same time, I mean, he's he's just a, a, t- a tough cookie to figure out. Uh, hasn't been practicing as a, as of Thursday, so I don't think it looks particularly good for his. I wonder if he's uh, he's just he just like so unstable. He goes out and like gets into ATV accidents when he's supposed to be rehabbing or something, and uh, that that's why he keeps getting pushed back. I don't know. Um, Anyway, it's weird that he's not back. AJ Terrell, I guess, is shutting down one half of the field pretty much for the Falcons. So uh, whoever's on the other side, and and they haven't moved Terrell to the other side, so the the Buccaneers should be able to just put Mike Evans on Fabian Moreau every play if they want. That should be a green light all day. Chris Godwin's got a really easy matchup in the slot. I, I don't know how they score fewer than 35 points here. I don't know. Okay, yeah, th- this is all green lights for for the Bucks on the Falcons side of things. I mean, it, it's it's again such a match mess. Other than Cordell Patterson, it's almost impossible to trust anyone right now. So, I mean, can you even feel comfortable starting a guy like Kyle Pitts against the, this past defense? 
Um, yeah, I mean, not, that's always there. Not, not that, not in the sense that you're like, oh, that's that's money in the bank for sure. But it's like you, you're in a good position if you have Kyle Pitts, like a you know a tight end. You're you've got a good thing there, even if it's not uh, as consistent as as it maybe could have been. Yeah, I think that that's that's pretty much a, a fair way to put it. But but otherwise, I don't know if I'm targeting too much of this offense um, outside of uh, Cordell Patterson. You know, I'm not I'm not uh, chomping at the bit to get Olamide Zacchaeus or Tajay Sharp or, or Russell Gage um, no, into my lineups. Or it. I do like Olamide is a little bit if he were the slot guy, but it's Gage, and I don't. It, that, that often sucks. I hate it. It's very bad. Uh, big day for Lenny coming. Maybe, but Ronald Jones, I mean, if he's ever going to do anything, it would have to be here, I would think. Like, this this Falcons team cannot compete. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonder they've made it this far this season with that roster. Let's go on over. Football team Raiders. We got the football team two-and-a-half-point road underdogs going up against Vegas. Vegas, obviously, maybe the story of Thanksgiving with, the, with their um, thrilling win over the Cowboys. Washington coming off the uh, – Funky game uh, Monday night um, out in Landover, Maryland. How do we see this one going? How, how do these two teams match up? We, we obviously referenced that that Raiders pass rush earlier, potentially having an impact um, on the on Washington's deep passing game ability to, to kind of let plays develop. Yeah, so if Washington can manage that pass rush, then Terry McLaurin can run away from pretty much anybody but Casey Hayward is not fast he's never been fast he doesn't want to cover for more than like three and a half seconds so that's where I think the the tension lies and I don't know which way it's going to go I mean I, I feel like it's almost a random result each week it's like you look at some of these matchups where Heineke's done well and going into it you wouldn't have really thought it or at least you would have looked at a game on the schedule where he did poorly and sooner thought oh that's a good matchup so just because it looks good or bad doesn't necessarily mean anything. And I don't really know on what basis it hinges. So don't really know how to call it, but I do think the the Vegas offense projects pretty well. Like their baseline functions should be pretty productive here. Maybe they don't get that much going on the ground. Like it could be another inefficient day in terms of yardage for Josh Jacobs, but I think Jacobs is playing well and I like his touchdown odds here. I think it's just the, the offense has kind of had some difficult circumstances for him to work with, uh, even aside from the injury from earlier this year. So uh, touchdown chances I like quite a bit, but Washington has been good against running backs. So if they're good against Jacobs here, I think they could just be sooner forcing their own demise by Darren Waller. And uh, I don't know which they find preferable. Right. And we'll, we'll see what, what's going on with, with Waller as well. Um, oh, wait, that's him. right. Sorry, I forgot about him. Uh, so re- we were talking about Renfro before. This is a really good setup for him. And uh, I mean, I guess we might want to start wondering about Deshaun Jackson in some of these. I'm uh, in on that. Even and in the more mainstream he leagues, run. he's the same guy. He's, yeah, he's the exact amazing. same guy. So, uh, yeah, I, if they keep taking Zay Jones's snaps and lowering them, giving them to Jackson, that's going to make everybody in that offense. And even Brian Edwards, I think, can get going if they keep establishing this Deshaun Jackson threat vertically. I'm so embarrassingly overweight on Brian Edwards this year in, in my, in my well, league. Actually, he's he's had a few really good games though for for like best ball and you weren't really picking him for, to start exactly. Like we knew Derek Carr doesn't really suit his skill set, 
But yeah, they're they're needlessly making everything worse by having him run about four or five yards downfield on average uh, mm-hmm. further than he should. So hopefully Deshaun can kind of pick up that slack and, and they can get Edwards more to like a 12-yard average depth of target or something. Yeah, just sending him a little bit too far. Let Jackson do that. He's obviously still capable of doing that. Let's head on over. We got a potential barn burner here. No, we don't. We got the Jaguars, almost two touchdown underdogs, heading out to Los Angeles to face. Why like only 13? I so, don't know. I guess because like the Rams have gone ice cold. Yeah, I guess so. I would, if, if it were uh, 17 and a half points in John Walford at quarterback, I would just like Rams <laughs> big time. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I don't know. I, I I guess they could sort of just Sony Michelle the game away and and only win by 10, but I can't see it. I can't see them failing to cover for any other reason. I don't either. I think I think this is all systems go for the Rams. This is a get right spot for them at home after a, obviously a their defense could cover. Yeah, they, they honestly win 13 nothing with a yeah, t- two defensive touchdowns missed extra point. There we go. Why not? Let's go Ravens Stillers. Uh, Ravens four point favorites on the roads road in this divisional matchup. Mario, I was at the Big Crab Cake on Sunday night watching the Ravens play one of the uglier games I've seen in person. But um, I was happy to see them come away with with the win that made it getting home at one thirty in the morning a little bit uh, more palatable. God, that's just a long day. That game sucked. Uh, it stunk. <laughs> it stunk yeah. out loud. Stunk on ice, as they used to say in and cartoons in the nineties. Um, but you know, much has been made of, of Lamar Jackson's struggles in that game coming off the illness, uh, where, it, which forced him to miss the Chicago game. Of course, do we think that he bounces back here? I don't think that the Steelers defense is as scary as we anticipated or as many anticipated. And I think also on the other side, the Steelers offense kind of makes things a little bit tougher on on the defense because they have so many three and outs, so many short drives, give up the short fields, that, that type of stuff. So um, where, where do you, where's your opinion lie on this particular game? So I would pick the Ravens. I, I am a little worried about them going to Pittsburgh and I, the, the Steelers will always show up for a game like this. It's like, even when they suck, they show up for this game. So it's, I don't expect it to be easy, but I do think that you beat the Steelers this, the exact same way you beat the Browns and you sell out against uh, not not so much specifically the run, but you sell out in the first 12 yards, like just clamp, just have someone watch those two receivers and everybody else. You, you watch the run and Roethlisberger can't really take advantage of the middle of the field, the way a check down quarterback needs to, to get by. He's, he's just kind of like too slow to be the quick hitter. He's, he's both, check down dependent and like too slow to check down properly. So you just want to like crowd that part of the field and he will take that shot deep every so often. And especially if, if your corner is like biting on the double move from Deontay Johnson, uh, they, they will go deep if your if your coverage totally blows it. But if you just don't bite, like they, they can take that six yard curl over and over. Eventually one of these times Roethlisberger is going to miss a little bit or Deontay Johnson's going to, not quite catch it and it's going to be a tip drill like that's how you get them to screw up it's just make them keep moving the chains over and over and over uh because Roethlisberger even though he can't throw and even though he takes forever to set up 
he does make the correct read if you leave open that deep shot and he knows mm-hmm. like you just got to get the ball in the air it's like with these with these rules we have now it's like the interference the the illegal contact just chuck it something good might happen or, or it's a better option than the alternative anyway so that's the way it could go wrong and the, the ravens do uh kind of bite too aggressively sometimes so it's no small risk but if they do keep the same discipline that they did against the browns i i think they get ahead that way. But I'm actually still concerned about the Ravens offense. I don't think their problems have anything to do with the personnel. Uh, Lamar played just badly in that game. Uh, right. Obviously the scheme wasn't the reason for, uh, well, the one interception, I guess you could argue, but uh, I just hate the, the whole offense. And it's like, I, I worry about Lamar kind of losing his wits out of just like frustration and like desperation of trying to make something happen. It's like, he's making throws that he, even at Louisville as like a true freshman, he wasn't making throws like he did in that game, you know, it's like he, he stopped being himself, which is what I worry about with protracted uh, struggles like these, which I attribute only to the scheme. And I have no faith that Greg Roman will ever figure it out. I don't think he can. I think the offensive line is a huge problem in Baltimore, too. I, I think Villanueva is beyond washed. I think there's a reason why why Pittsburgh let him walk. Um, they don't really have a good answer on the right side. The interior of the line has been banged up for a lot of this year. So it felt like some of the the problems that Lamar was having a week ago were kind of exacerbated by the fact that Cleveland's defensive front was just caving it in uh, constantly and getting into the backfield, um, forcing Lamar to just kind of drop back really far and and throw a prayer. You don't really see any quick hitting routes in this Ravens offense, do you? It's like you see they're using them. They're using like Hollywood Brown for the quick for the quick hitters. Like he had a bunch of catches last week for like 60 yards. Yeah, and they don't really have any staple plays that work underneath. It's like when they get something going underneath, it's always like a bubble screen or some sort of scripted thing for Brown or DuVernay or whoever. And they don't have any plays that you see as a staple route in, for instance, the Josh McDaniels offense. Like you don't see Lamar Jackson do a play action to his tight end the way Baker Mayfield does 15 times a game. The only kind of pass that Baker Mayfield ever completes doesn't even exist in the Baltimore offense. And that's why I, I am so sick of Roman is like, the, I know he, he has like certain things he's trying to do. I realize that there's a theory that he has in mind that isn't just failing like he does in practice. But the point is he's, he's making it needlessly difficult by not trying things that we know are, are specifically the plays you go to, to beat the defensive tendencies that the Ravens are seeing. It's like, if you're, if you're dealing with a bad pass blocking situation, then stop calling seven step drops. Stop calling, uh, pass routes that don't break the stem until like 14 yards downfield. Start calling some quick crossers. Get get Duvernay a shovel pass the way Garoppolo tosses it to Debo Samuel. Do something like that. And like none of these plays exist. It's just they they keep doing these deep drops where you know Andrews and Brown are running like 15 yards downfield. And sometimes the defense blows the coverage and Lamar throws it. But if the defense doesn't blow the coverage and they probably won't, then Lamar has to kind of just, you know, scramble around for two quarters before eventually saying, uh, "Okay, I'm going to start running every other drop back now. And and that's when the Ravens win, basically. Yeah, they've won ugly many, many different times uh, this season. They really haven't had uh, like a convincing pretty victory i think where's the screen passes like where where and i don't mean bubble screens it's like you don't you don't see just like a if if they're blitzing and if lamar's not getting enough time to do his five and seven step drops and if you if you just cannot call a three three step drop for some reason then then how about a a blitz beater anything there's there's nothing that roman ever brings out other than let's call a bubble screen and hope that they don't know that that's our only other play Uh, they do yeah 
Yeah, Roman needs to be more adaptable. That that much is for sure. Uh, before we get on to our final couple of games here, we got a message from our friends over at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive is back for another season of fantasy football, and they're running huge guarantee contests each week of the NFL season. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus only on the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Here's how you claim your free RotoWire subscription. First, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Then, second, you deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month RotoWire subscription. So again, head on over to rotowire.com slash thrive for more details. All right, we got one more Sunday afternoon game, and then we got the Niners. So we got uh, the 49ers going to Seattle to face the Seahawks, the, the Seahawks that are kind of playing out the string here at, at this point. It's just a, a mess with what they've got going on. That The Niners have been playing well for their part in recent weeks, but Debo Samuel banged up. That definitely changes things. What, what's going on here? Well, it does change things, but I think it only uh, just, just means that IU can Kittle do that much more. I uh, don't think the Seahawks can stop or even slow them. I don't think you need good play from Garoppolo to light up a defense like this one. Elijah Mitchell could have another big game. Uh, Bobby Wagner does not want to track Elijah Mitchell to the sideline. Not at this point in time. I mean, Bobby Wagner could have handled that before, but uh, his, his legs don't go like they used to. And Elijah Mitchell, um, I don't know. Obviously, some of the some of his success has to do with like the Shanahan scheme and probably the 49ers blocking and whatever. But it seems like Elijah Mitchell might just kind of be really good. Yeah. Uh, production wise, there's not really any reason to hold him that much farther back. Um, like like in the at the moment, you would take him over someone like Ezekiel Elliott, even. Uh, yep. Not necessarily not like necessarily dynasty, but like for this year, this point in time, you would. And uh, this is another like total green light. Like other than uh, other than that Texas Tech one, it's like wh- th- those linebackers can be kind of slow, especially Wagner. They have these small like five foot nine, one eighty corners trying to play against this you know this this offense that makes you tackle a lot. I, I just think it's the 49ers just kind of like crush them, especially if, if uh, Russell Wilson's finger is still busted and it didn't seem any better the last two weeks than the first. So I don't know why I would get my hopes up for the fourth week, magically turning a corner. Yeah. The, the, the Seattle team, I'm, I'm probably going to be betting against them the rest of the way. So uh, the Niners seem to have found something and uh, are healthy enough, even without Debo Samuel, really like Elijah Mitchell. We have him as RB five. Uh, for this week. So a lot of confidence that, that Mitchell will continue to produce in this spot. Uh, Chiefs, Broncos, Chiefs, nine and a half point favorites against the Broncos. Broncos coming off the win over the Chargers. Chiefs coming off that bye. They're at home. Sunday nighter. Which Chiefs are we going to see here? Um, I don't know. I feel I, I feel a little anxious about the 10 points, the nine and a half points. I don't think that the chiefs are very different on offense. I don't think they've learned anything in the past few weeks that would distinguish them from the start of the year. So uh, I guess the one thing is Clyde Edwards Hilaire being back could change things. Cause I, I happen to believe that a lot of their troubles had to do with not being able to run the ball. And it, just as importantly, not getting the defense to care that they right. might run the ball. So 
Denver doesn't have to care about Clyde Edwards Hilaire and maybe they very well won't. And I, I guess we can see how that plays out if so. But if if the safeties are playing, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I feel like Denver, if anything, kind of uh, invites the big play. Like their their defense, the pass defense has been good overall. But when they get beat, it's like someone's running past the safety in the corner, and they're both the corner and the safety are pointing at each other. Like you know, that was your guy. Oh, so the Chiefs have done that too this year. Yeah. So uh, the Chiefs defense also has been playing quite a bit better, which Chris maybe Jones. that's maybe that's the reason to believe that they cover. Uh, rather than any profound change in their offense, um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, I don't know. I, I, if Denver plays Kansas City the way like the Titans did, and the way most of the, as long as they don't play them like the Raiders, basically, I think Kansas City might struggle to get their passing game going the way they want to. And sometimes Andy Reid has a habit of staying away from the run too long, like he has too much faith in the averages, and he. He doesn't notice things like, you know, your passing game really just doesn't have it today. It's like, yeah, over the broader sample, they would, but right now they don't. And you need to see that before it's too late in the game and, and you know, go to the run too late uh, for it to be an advantageous approach. So if Denver is selling out deep, then Kansas City needs to see that and like commit to Edwards Hilaire until they get those safeties creeping up. And that's the way they can make it work. But if Reed does that thing where he, you know, it's, 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 uh, but three Andy minutes left the in the master of the bye week. He's the master. That's true. I guess we got to remember that. So, like, maybe maybe saying. he'll be particularly sharp with his reasoning. But if he does that thing where it's like <laughs> four minutes left in the second quarter and Clyde Solaire has you know five carries for twenty one yards, like that's when I worry because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Denver will be like I don't think Denver's just going to turn Tyreek Hill loose the way like the Buccaneers did last year. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, th- this game, I think it'll be divisional games on Sunday night usually usually are pretty good. So looking forward to this one. Uh, quickly, your thoughts on Bill's Patriots as we wrap up here on Monday night. Well, the loss of Tredavious White's pretty big for the Bills. They have a very particular way they run things, and his speed is usually very necessary for it to work. But I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is a good enough downfield threat for it to matter here. And as good as Mac Jones has been, it's it's kind of crazy to me the coverage that that's just like crowning him, not just you know MVP and rookie or whatever. It's like he's the he's humanity's last hope, is what a lot of media would have you believe lately. It's like he's had a really easy schedule. He does not do much lifting on that team. That's a defensive team, a run game based defensive team. So those two things might carry them to a win here, but if it can't. I do think you see Mac Jones look more like he did uh, b- before, like like all year before the schedule got really easy. The past six weeks before they started playing, like the you know the, t- the Titans and, and the post collapse Browns and the Jets two times. Like this is a very different defense than the kind of ones that Jones has been playing against. Yeah, so I think that's the big storyline in this one is is a how how the Buffalo defense responds sans Trey White. And also, can Mac Jones keep things going against a, a better defense? And, and does New England kind of have those weapons uh, to make Buffalo pay for, for the absence of Tredavious White? But that's going to wrap things up for us here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends at WinBet. For Mario Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com 
forward slash try. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 